Welcome back. Tonight, Kyle and I are digging into our scariest moments from our childhood. <laughs> We're digging into childhood trauma. So sit back and relax and listen to us freak out over the shit that fucked us up. <laughs> this show contains badass material and foul f-ing language. Some people may find offensive. What else did you expect? Nostalgia really whips the llama's ass. Hey guys, I'm Darcy, founder of Spirit. And I'm Kelly, the chief technical officer of Spirit. Back in 2011, we formed the Supernatural Paranormal Investigations and Research Institute, searching for answers to mysterious things that were happening in our little corner of Canada. And we haven't stopped searching for those answers ever since. Join us on our podcast, Canadian Spirit, as we dive into all of Canada's most famous and forgotten paranormal mysteries. Examine the evidence and try to figure out what might be behind Canada's ghosts, cryptids, and UFO encounters. In Canadian Spirit, you'll get a peek behind the curtain and see for yourself what being a paranormal investigator is really like and learn something about Canadian history, which isn't as boring as it sounds. Even if it is, we're a pair of chuckle fucks, so we'll do our best to make it entertaining. So come along for the ride and discover for yourself what makes the land of maple and hockey so wonderfully weird. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Podchaser, you know, wherever you find your podcasts. And remember, raccoons are aliens, werewolves are perverts, and ghosts are just downright rude sometimes. Hey there, I'm Lisa. And I'm Agnes. And together, we are Sass and Sips, a watch rewatch podcast. We want to personally invite you to check out our podcast, where we'll be discussing TV shows from two perspectives. One who has seen the show before. And one who's not so sure. While we drink a lot. <laughs> I mean, like a lot, a lot. <laughs> Every season, we will focus on a new show. And for our first season, we have chosen the iconic show, Lost. We hope that you will come over and check us out. We can be found on your favorite podcast platform or at sassandsips.com. If you're down for drinks, friends, and television, then make sure you listen and subscribe. Because we're down for all of it. Yes. So listen with your bestie, open your favorite bottle, and sip and sass with Sass and Sips. Well, last week we did our top 1980s action movies, which (laughs) my list (laughs) didn't even look like an action fans list. What I listed as an honorable mention were high ranking for not only Kyle, but usually the majority of the lists out there. Oh, yeah, that was funny. I was yeah. just listening to it back. That made me laugh because like when you when you said aliens as your honorable mention, I was like, what in the, what is going on <laughs> Matt, here? what are you doing? <laughs> aliens. Well, it's just it wasn't my nostalgia. I like the movie. Don't get me wrong. You're right. No one can frame a person holding a machine gun better than James Cameron can. <laughs> like this is weird when you talk about that stuff in those like moments of clarity or like you know you realize certain things and 
I don't know. That just that did just come to me. I was like, man, thinking about it. Like even in movies like True Lies, yeah. Terminator Two, Aliens, that little like under the gun tracking shot that he does with people holding like huge Gatling guns or machine mm-hmm. guns. It's a very Cameron thing. And even after releasing the episode, I still couldn't help but think of movies that I should have mentioned. I should have put on the list. I know. It's funny though. You mentioned True Lies. The other one I thought of, which actually is pretty badass and I would love to cover a whole episode on it, Last Action Hero. Oh yeah. It's very meta. It was criticized. But it's very self-aware. Yeah, I don't understand the criticism towards it. Even when I saw it, when I first saw it, I thought, I was like, this is awesome. It is so good. It's meta. It It's self-aware. It breaks the fourth wall. Breaks all the conventions of not only action flicks, but it also plays up to the tropes and all of the things. It's almost like a fan letter to action films by an action star. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we wanted to watch Joe Bob, but we did end up watching They Live. In the end, because we, and so that ties into our 80s action list. Um, but yeah, we tried to watch, I love Joe Bob, the last drive in, but uh, the movies he went, he, and it was like VHS week. And I thought that was going to be really awesome. And I was really excited, but man, Mm-mm. it was a hard sell. That was uh, Sledgehammer, Sledgehammer, and Things. Oh, yeah, Things. Which the movie's about things. Apparently, the, the actual video goes for a lot of money. I guess that's, that's what he was saying for collect for collectors. Uh, but yeah. man, oh man, a beaten up copy of Street Trash. I was gonna say, yeah, it was like three hundred plus on eBay recently. That's a tough one to digest. Yeah, I haven't watched that. Yeah. But the three hundred bucks is a lot. But seeing it for the first time as a person in twenty twenty and you know how all the movies we've watched <laughs> in our lives, uh, this was not good. No, no, but it. It knows it. <laughs> yeah, Joe Bob knew it. Yeah. Kyle, what are you drinking, my friend? A little classic from the North Shore of Nova Scotia, Tatamagusha's Hippie Dippy Pale Ale. And that's like, this is like almost like an OG craft beer, I think. Like when they first started bringing craft beer on tap around Halifax and around restaurants um, here in the HRM. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember Hippie Dippy was one of the first ones that I remember hearing about. Yeah. It's and just, liking. Yeah. What else you got there? What's the blue can? The old propeller pilsner. Oh, yeah. That's a that's a nice, crisp, exactly. refreshing sipper. It's when you're like, you're eight beers in, you just you just want to keep it going. But you don't you just keep, you don't want anything too crazy. You just want to keep it going. You don't want to have one of the stumble walks home. <laughs> yeah, the classic stumble walks. Yeah, it's when your body's leaning forward, pitched forward, and your legs are trying their hardest to keep up. We've all been there. Love it. Don't and what was the other that. thing we were talking about? When you're just like sitting on the couch or the chair or wherever you're sitting, uh, and your stare is vacant, and you're just trying to concentrate, and but you're just breathing so hard because you're so loaded. Oh, my God. <laughs> I've, I've had a couple of nights with you down here like that where you go and I lock the door after you and I can just hear like like body noises just like moving through me. <laughs> and what do I do? Don't go to bed. I go downstairs and watch another movie yeah, exactly. and fall asleep in five minutes. Oh, yeah, yeah. You put on a movie. I actually did that the other day with Aliens. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the movies we were just talking about. But yeah, I think it was like... Uh, me and my wife watched a movie and then she went to bed and then I put on Aliens I swear I don't remember the opening credits finishing no like I just must have just went right to sleep it's like I've definitely done that before where I just put something on that I'm familiar with and it's like it's like a comfort yeah food right you just put it on and you blank out going back even further 
Yeah, going back even further, Kyle, you and I are going to make each other squirm. Moments that made us go, ah! and they're not necessarily just horror. Yeah, we're not talking actual actual horror. We, we're, and we're not really talking movies. We're just yeah. talking about moments. Trying to tap into that weird vein of, or that thought of like those things when that you saw when you were super, super young that kind of scarred you in a way and stayed with you. Even though you know they might not have necessarily been horror or intended mm. to scare you, right? But. It's like it tapped into the anxiety and dread that pumps the adrenaline that like that elicits that reaction when you're watching a horror movie and you get that emotion and that feeling going. Mm-hmm. Again, these aren't necessarily horror moments, but are those feelings that stick with you so great that thirty six and forty one. We took two seconds probably each just to be like, I know exactly what I'm going to write down. But yeah, a lot of them did come to me very quickly because it was just like, you know, it's like that that instinct or that gut feeling of like when you're on this topic, what really, I mean, I guess that just speaks to how much they have seeped into your subconscious or your psyche. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what? Why don't you start it off? I'm trying to think of when this album, I think we've talked about this before. We might have this talked, album? Yeah. Oh, I know where you're going with this. <laughs> yeah, well, it does. There is a movie element to this. I think, yes. I, I think I've talked about this before, but seriously, this is my... You talk to my mom, and she even remembers this. And yes. So this is, I think, one of my earliest memory burns, not even due to the fact um, that it's you know horror-related or it scared me, but I seriously can't think of anything else before this when I think of like a childhood memory. And that's me... And you know when you were a kid and you sat in the shopping cart and your mom would drive you, would, mm-hmm. you know, push mm-hmm. you around the shopping cart around the mall or around the grocery store. So I'm that young. I'm like three, maybe four. Mm-hmm. And um, I can only assume now looking back at like my teenage years and like music world, Sam the Record Man. Remember they used to have these big displays for like the big albums that were the big release. Most certainly. And so what album was the biggest release of 1983? Maybe 1984. I I should have done more research, but. I remember sitting outside this music store in Amherst. Wow. At the mall in Amherst and just staring at this TV screen that was showing. But it was like, you know, John Landis has directed that video. The music video for Michael Jackson's thriller is just that that scared me so bad. Yeah. But my mom insists that even though I was scared. I was just staring. Mesmerized. Mesmerized and wouldn't take my eyes off the screen, even though it's like, and that's a seriously scary werewolf in Thriller. To me, still, maybe it's because it scared me so much as a kid, but man, like those yellow eyes and the whiskers and the transformation, because like, it's obviously the same effects as American Werewolf in London, um, who's the same director. Even the zombie, um, Michael Jackson as the zombie is always scary. Still, like at the end of Thriller, when he's, smashing through the the door to get at his his girlfriend and she's like cowering in that haunted house that haunted looking house and all the zombies are coming in there's even a shot and it's like you know give credit to michael jackson like he's not the most intimidating dude but for some reason in that makeup and his eyes his sunken eyes man that is scrawny works in horror will always be imprinted in my brain him the slow the group of them coming towards the camera right at the end when he's like what's the problem (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and it's all over and then he turns and the eyes are yellow but yeah that's a scary video and so awesome video i uh, let me chime in 
really good friend of mine, known each other since we were three. Our grandparents lived next door to each other. He had the Thriller VHS that had the making of on mm. it. The box alone. Yeah. Mesmerized me to the point where I was like, this is something I'm not supposed to watch. I'm pretty sure. The first memory that I have is that I'm watching it from the hallway outside of the room because I don't want to get any closer to the TV. <laughs> and then when that font takes over the screen, mm-hmm. that is a memory burn. Of course, Thriller was such a monster. And then I, I did become such a huge Michael Jackson fan as like everybody did around that time. Right. But And I had the we had the vinyl for Thriller. And every time the end of The Girl Is Mine would come on, mm-hmm. my gut. You could feel it. Because Thriller was on next. Yeah. But what did that? It's that video. Has to be. Yeah. Do you want to know one of the earliest ones for me? Mm-hmm. This is going to be absolutely absurd to say out loud. <laughs> but do you remember mm-hmm. when we had the big floor model TVs? Yep. Just sitting cross-legged in front of a massive screen. The big wood TVs thing. Yeah. <laughs> one movie that I fell in love with very early in life, and I'm not ashamed to say it, It is Footloose. And what scared me of Footloose, do you ask? It is the opening of the feet dancing. Really? Scared the shit out of me. Wow, now that's an interesting one. did not like (laughs) the feet just dancing up close, not seeing people or anything, just the feet dancing. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah. I wonder what that was. I I don't know. I mean, like, I have a dislike of feet. Cause it's the it's the Footloose song, right? That plays over those opening credits. But really, I just couldn't take it. Strange. I didn't like it, and I don't know why. Still to this day, and I, I only thought of it today, and I was like, yeah, that one actually really scared me, and I don't know why. And I told it to mom, and I said, mom, what is something that scared me as a child? She said, Thriller. And then I said, do you remember Footloose scaring me? And she's like, no, not really. I was like, really? Because I think that's probably why I don't like feet to this day. Jeez. Yeah. Anyway. I think you you already won this. If there was a contest of like the best the best entry in this list, that is, I just never would have expected. So that. strange, right? Yeah. yeah. Now this is I've talked about this before. We've talked about this movie before, um, but it's the first movie I ever saw in a movie theater, and it's definitely one of the best movies of all time. Um, it's a, definitely a family friendly movie, but. Uh, Steven Spielberg's E.T. Just think of yourself as a five-year-old kid. Say a four or five-year-old kid. Mm. And we've talked about before how the movie's designed to put you in Elliot's frame of view or Elliot's, you know. And so going into it cold, when he hears rustlings in the backyard, Mm -hmm. he's going out and he's looking and he has the flashlight and you're with him and you're just like, what is that? What is that? I don't know what that is. Moves the grass and you see E.T. in the flashlight in his big <laughs> eyes and then E.T. starts screaming and Elliot starts screaming like I'm that scarred me so I remember screaming wanting to leave the theater with we were like with a YMCA group or something mm. and I was so scared because E.T.'s a kid as well like E.T. his parents had to leave him you know he looks like an alien but E.T.'s just as scared as Elliot like that's the whole point of that scene yep. E.T.'s scared of Elliot and Elliot's scared of E.T., but as a little kid seeing the movie theater, I was just scared because there was this weird-looking monster yeah. in, in the bushes. But that that's just a memory burn that that's I can still... Awesome. And it's like weird that you can... Rem- like, the brain is so crazy. How do I remember that moment? But I can. I don't know how old I was where I stopped crying from watching the ending of E.T. Yeah. It is a super sad ending. Well, that's the brilliance of E.T., though. The emotional arc of, like, say, you start with being scared of E.T., 
to like, he's literally your best friend by the end of it. Yeah. And just when you see him so sick and they're like working on him. And oh. for, first you cry. And then Elliot and Noel's friends, they the big escape from the science lab. And that's yeah. like exhilarating. You're so happy. But then of course, like, you know, E.T. has to go home. But it's so sad watching them say goodbye to each other. I know. I know. I know. I'm loving this. Yeah, me too, dude. It's a good list. Okay. <laughs> this one might be, you know, pretty standard kind of stuff. But The Wizard of Oz, you know, that time is old. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows. No need to talk about The Wizard of Oz. But, man, the flying monkeys. Those flying fucking monkeys. Man. When they're, specifically when the flying monkeys are ripping apart the scarecrow. Yeah. And they're all just yelping and hooping and hollering and they're like, and they're just tearing up his straw and stuff and they're making their way to the witch's castle. And they go, oh, look, what's up there? And you can see them just flying in the Mm -hmm. distance, coming towards them. And then the way, I mean, they obviously did it on wires because it was just like so old, but the way they all come swooping down and they're just grabbing them and they grab the dog and man, that's a scary scene. Yep. (laughs) Yep. It is. Um, Funny that you should say that because I thought about putting this down. Then I thought, no, it didn't actually scare me, but it is a memory burn. And it was kind of shocking when I saw it. It was Return to Oz. So I was going to mention that next, almost almost like an aside. That's a movie I haven't seen in a long time, but the wheelies or the wheelers or something from Return to Oz, right? You got the picture? Man, those things are scary. <laughs> what what freaked me out was at one point there's an eye looking through a keyhole. Yeah. And that is my memory burn from Oz or Return to Man, Oz. We gotta watch that again. Yeah. I'm Mem- totally. Remember up for there that. was that woman with the the heads in the display cases? Ugh, and she could, to put it out, man. And she could like pick them up and put them on. Yeah. Jaws. A major one was um the moment where the shark breaches. And cracks the boat at the end and eats Quint. It's the open mouth out of the water in that one scene that made me <laughs> live in fear of watching that scene. Like, I'd have to look away. At night, I would see it. It's the shark popping up out of the darkness of the water. Yeah. But the camera in its mouth almost. Yeah. That's what terrified me. So that is my segue into looks and lighting. It's Danny's face in The Shining. Oh, yeah. You, yeah. That's, when that's, it cuts to that, just for that second, where he's open mouth, he's shining, he's seeing stuff he's not supposed to see, and he's terrified that when I would close my eyes at night, I would see it. <laughs> and this same weekend... I don't know what happened in my household where they were like, yeah, go ahead, watch The Shining and Psycho. <laughs> because the ending of Psycho, movie's fine, movie's great. Psycho's a fantastic movie. She wouldn't even harm a fly. And then Anthony Perkins looks up with that sinister grin on his face, harmless grin that did it for me. Look on his face. Yeah. So the shark's mouth opening up out of the water, Danny's face in The Shining. Psycho, Anthony Perkins smiling. <laughs> These are faces of fear. Ooh, I like that. Those are, it has nothing to do with the horror. It has to do with more of the reactionary cues. 
and the evil that exists within these characters. Faces of fear. Cut together a 10-minute YouTube montage of faces of fear. I don't want to now. (laughs) Yeah. But do you know what I mean? Oh, I know what you mean. Faces. I love it, yeah. I know exactly. You're seeing nothing other than someone's face. Yeah. And they're not even... They're not even the horror that they're reacting to. Yeah. This isn't uh, horror-related or scare-related, but that makes me think of uh, Roger Ebert described one of Spielberg's signature moves or shots is um, people reacting in awe. Yeah. So, like, you think about when they first see the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park, the camera, like, kind of cranes in on... Grant and like when she's like she goes up from the jeep and she's looking off in the distance where we're not seeing the dinosaurs we're watching her mm. look at the dinosaurs you know yeah Elliot Nitti even going back to that it's just mm. in looking in awe at something it's, yeah and and going back to Jaws I mean Spielberg yes a lot of it was a happy accident but seeing less is more of the terror even what's his name Brody uh, first reacting to. The first time he sees Jaws, he's, his face goes back and his smoke is dangling from his mouth. You know, that's yeah. a very... We're going to need a bigger boat. We're going to need a bigger boat. Cool. It's a couple little like cartoonish entries. Ooh. We're going to keep it. I'm still... Cartoonish. Pre- you know, I'm, I'm I'm trying to keep it really young. I'm trying to think of like, when yeah. I, you know, I'm, I'm still keeping that. Actually, one of them's... I don't want to give anything away. But I, one of them is pure cartoon because it was so unexpected. First of all, to see it as a kid, but like the adult character in this scene takes such glee Mm. in what's going on and it's in Pinocchio when the circus boys get all the boys get turned into donkeys and they're like all screaming in pain and then when they're donkeys they're still just like brain and like fear yeah you know what I mean like that just scarred me a lot of I mean Disney was known to do that way back then you had like Bambi Bambi's mom dying and um, even ooh the the not only the evil queen in Snow White who was just like a terrifying person she's like Cersei from Game of Thrones but the just the evil witch in the woods like the her eyes coming out from the darkness at, at Snow White you know that's yep. kind of scary shit for a kid but you know it was a Disney movie here's a very bizarre one now I'm sure that there is a list out there oh hold on Kyle's gonna break open some romance. Oh, that was a good one. <laughs> oh, yeah. That is, you know what? I think I have hours worth of us <laughs> opening cans. Man, if there's hours of just those tiny little clips, then that that's a problem. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So my next one that I want to bring up that actually terrified me was, and, and I watched this late 90s, early 2000s, when I started getting into collecting DVDs and wanting special editions and all the extra bonus features that you may have watched only once, but you wanted it because it was only a couple dollars more to get the deluxe version. And it was for Stephen King's classic, Misery. Hey. Um, well, actually, it's Rob Reiner's classic, but it's, you know, Stephen King. I literally watched that two days ago. So fucking good. <laughs> it was good. on TV. So good. Now, do you know why I'm going to bring this up? But it's you're you're saying it's unconventional. It's not a typical, right? Okay, because I have a specific movie moment that's very terrifying in that movie. With two, I have two, but it's probably not what you're thinking. Of. So yours exists within the movie. Yes, mine exists within a fifty second trailer. Okay, in the misery trailer. 
Have you seen the Misery no, trailer? I don't think so. Don't know why, but you know what? I created a list. So we are entering my actual top, <laughs> top like five or six horrible moments that I've endured <laughs> as a young person trying to enjoy something and can't get to sleep at night. Somewhere in the middle of nowhere, Paul Sheldon, America's best-selling author, just met Annie Wilkes, his number one fan. Paul Sheldon used to write for a living. Now, he's writing to stay alive. <laughs> for those, uh, uh, obviously you can't see this, but uh, uh, Mr. McGrath has goosebumps. It's the trailer that upset me. Eerie blowing winter storm whistling in the night. Pans slowly from mountaintops to darkness. Narrator has an oddly peaceful tone, which is staggered by the heavily affected typewriter stabs, which types of misery in blood red. Mm-hmm. What did it do to me? <laughs> it tapped into the feeling of isolation and being snowed in. That is a legitimate fear of mine. Mm-hmm. It's probably why I love The Shining so much, but also fear it at the same time. That's true. I could hear the soothing narration and feel the dread and anxiety dwelling up inside of me when I would shut my eyes at night. And I still get goosebumps. <laughs> but that terrified me. What did you think of it? Now, as a movie fan, I see the names and, you know, I know the story. So, um, but it's funny that it affected you so much because really nothing about it is too terrifying on the surface. No. Tone. Yeah. Lighting. There you go. Misery. Nice. Trailer. That's Not the funny. movie. The trailer. That's a good one. <laughs> and it's a teaser trailer. It's got nothing other than a voiceover and some darkness. Actually, well, this is just a kind of a tiny one, but it does kind of tie into what you're talking about with like Stephen King. Uh, this movie, uh, for some reason, my uh, it's not a great movie, but I loved it as a kid because my parents had the the VHS and um, I just always loved like the haunted house style of it. And just like it involves a writer who's trying to write a, uh, a novel about his experiences in the Vietnam War. Uh, it was directed by your boy, Steve Miner, <laughs> which I think I forget which Friday the 13th he directed. Yeah. But um, anyways, talking about House yes. uh, starring William Catt and George Went. But it's it's none. There's lots of weird, crazy stuff that happens like but specifically um there's a he's he's walking through the house and like all this weird stuff starts happening in different rooms but in in the study there's like he has a big swordfish on the wall that starts yes. flapping back and forth wow. and the eye starts moving wow. and then he shoots he shoots it with a harpoon and like it it has this guttural scream for some reason it's a swordfish but it just like it's I don't also know house so it just I don't know why it affected me so much the the yeah. fish flapping on the on the wall um but then, of course, also um, maybe just like because it's such a great creature design, his William Cat's buddy, who he went to the Vietnam War with, played by Night Court's Richard Mall, and he his zombie ver Ben 
Ben, that's his name. Um, his zombie version at the end where he's just like all, it's almost like a version of Tarman from Return of the Living yep. Dead where he's just like, he's decaying, his clothes are like rotting tatters around him. It's just like bones. And he has like a skull, weird sunken skull face, but still has his army helmet on. Yep. Um, man, it's just such a great, that I remember that that specifically that like skeleton looking zombie thing always affected me at the end, except I did love it. Of course, like when he gets his strength at the end, he's like, he defeats them through like yes. not being scared of. Him. Right. And he explodes for some reason. You know that they wished that Ben would catch on as a horror icon. Oh, really? And he didn't. Oh, I know. Yeah, Cause the movie all, I think ultimately wasn't that great. It probably did pretty well box office wise, but yeah. Um, yeah. There's just those little moments from, Ooh, also remember when like, the 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 gardening tools attack him in like the shed and they they go off the wall and they start like coming after him. It's uh, very just, evil. I think it's be- yeah. I think it's because I just watched it so young that those yeah. weird little scenes. Like you yeah. know, there's nothing really too terrifying sure. about those scenes. But man, it yeah. scared me. This is a favorite of yours. Oh, this movie mm-hmm. again. This is not going to be a scary part by any means, <laughs> but it's terrifying to young Matt McGraw. It's the final scene. Oh. There's a voiceover. Mm -hmm. Accompanied by an unnaturally picturesque moon and backdrop. Okay. So if your air conditioner goes on the fritz or your washing machine blows up or your video recorder conks out, before you call the repairman, turn on all the lights, check all the closets and cupboards, look under all the beds, because you never can tell. There just might be a gremlin in your house. Hey. <laughs> and that alone was what did it for me. Just the end. Yeah. The just sign off. Yeah. The sign off with the the kind of fake backdrop. The bassy passive tone of his voice that it stayed with me long after the movie was over. I would stare at the ceiling replaying his haunting tone, reminding me that he might be right. There might actually be a gremlin in my house. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> the rest of the movie, totally fine. Can't be. Love it. Lots of great. There's some pretty gross, scary moments in that, though. Like the pods when they first show up in the attic. I don't yes. know. Just that, that image always got me as a kid, for sure. Right, yeah. Just the ending for Gremlins alone it fucked me up. That's funny. Yeah, no, it's just I, I couldn't, couldn't do it. Aww. It just haunted me. It haunted me. That's funny. Yeah. I definitely want to give a special shout out to a TV show that... I was just like obsessed with. It was made for kids. Um, it was a horror anthology TV series that I just, it was on YTV. <laughs> Matt's just already nodding. Anyways, for anybody, uh, I, I think it was well, on Nickelodeon in the States, but for anybody in Canada, uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Yeah, it was man. just like one of the biggest shows on YTV. And it was just such a great show. But one specific episode that just like when I want to think of the scariest moments from that show this one just like jumped out at me and it's just so creepy it's called the tale of the dark music and it's about um uh, a boy that moves to a new town uh they him and his family they move into a house that used to be owned by his uncle his uncle had like passed away or something and of course, you know, living in a new town, he starts to be bullied by the local bully who just like wants to steal his lunch money, you know, you know that classic thing. But as he's searching th- through um, his house, just like 
searching through old stuff in the basement, comes across some weird like manuscript from his uncle and his uncle like dealt in the occult or something. Anyways, and he turns on this, this like record player or tape recorder, I forget which now. And this light emanates from like the cellar, this kind of like weird Mm. cellar door and the door opens and these like eyes just slowly start to burn through the darkness. And it's like basically like almost like feed me Seymour from little shop of horrors. Um, but it, man, it's such a creepy story of just like this weird evil spirit that lives in this kid's basement and he like feeds him the bully. And then at the the creepiest part is at the end, it's implied because he hates his little sister so much. She's such a brat. It's implied that he's about to feed. Aww. Oh, because cause the thing grants him wishes whenever he kills, like Aww. he feeds it because the bully destroys his bike. He throws his bike in front of a truck. So when he kills the bully... All of a sudden, there's like this brand new sparkling shiny bike in his. his oh, okay. It's such a creepy. It's like that monkey's paw, not monkey's paw, but I don't know. Careful what you wish for. Yeah, table. it's but the kid's evil, and just the shot of the kid like realizing he's about to like feed his little sister to it. It's such a crazy, crazy story, and just a weird memory burn from my childhood. I love that they had that at some point. I know. You know, that that series was created at some point. I like that. Yeah, there was definitely like, you know, whoever the creative, uh, you know, the heads or whoever the people involved in that kind of the show producing and, you know, knew that there was a segment of kids that is into being scared. It's not all just, you know, bubble gum and, um, you know, Barbie or who knows, you know what I mean? Like there was a, a market for kids that just wanted to be scared. And, you know, you got to appreciate it for that because yes. it was such a great show. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that um, Goosebumps, mm-hmm. targeted for kids, horror. Mm-hmm. And, like, they were actually really, really effective at not only being, like, horrific but entertaining while still being kind of harmless at the same time. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think it's because it was always the... The the genius of of framing it around a group of kids, friends, mm-hmm. going to hang out, tell each other scary stories. You knew at all times it was just a story they were telling. Yes. Nothing, nothing about it was ever real. No. I think that helped too. It did, yeah. And especially with like, um, Are You Afraid of the Dark? They're sitting around the campfire. They're engaging in like the lore. Right. Like it's, it's a storytelling. It's like the fog, right? You know, you're gathered around and you're hearing this cool tale, but you're only hearing it. So... Yeah. How cool would it be if you saw it? That's what the episode was. I know. Yeah. So here's one for you. I just I just brought the clip up and I've already got the feelings again. <laughs> so 1989, uh, Little Monsters came out. <laughs> I was wondering if this is actually going to be on your list. Yeah. Um, so Maurice was played by Howie Mandel. And obviously, Brian was played by Fred Savage. Um, all right. So just it's a very quick scene. And again, it's an angle lighting and a face. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. And it's the introduction of Maurice. And he's open mouth growling. Coming oh, yeah. in Close to the camera heading towards Brian because we shift to the POV of Brian. Mm-hmm. But that's what bothered me. So. It feels like the fourth wall has been broken. And Maurice is actually heading towards us, the viewer, not Brian. Again, haunted me in the dark for a long time and couldn't watch that scene for a long time. In fact, 
probably just watching it now for the first time in a few years, right now, just to show you. You have it? And that's all that that, it was just the growling face. (laughs) Yeah. That just bothered me. Mm -hmm. The lighting and the sharp teeth. And yeah. Yeah. Because it's like it's perpetuating like the fear that a a kid naturally has of like monsters in the dark. For sure. And and, and if you're already inclined to have those feelings, this movie helps solidify that. Yeah. Maybe you might be right. Nice. Uh, Okay. We're getting down to it now. Oh, Um, baby. This one is. Uh, before I had a pure cartoon one in Pinocchio, this one is half cartoon. Oh, half live action. I know what you're <laughs> about to get into, and I don't know why it's very once very specific scene because the whole movie up until then is, I mean, it goes through everything. Like first, you have you just love Roger Rabbit. Mm-hmm. And then you have a crush on Jessica Rabbit because she's like, even though she's a cartoon, you're just a little kid. You don't understand. She's like literally the sexiest thing you've ever seen in your life. Um, but then at, towards the end, I'm talking, of course, of Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Christopher Lloyd uh, as Judge Doom, um, the judge of Toontown. Uh, and when the reveal that it is him that killed um, Bob Hoskins the detective in the movie, his brother, um, when his glasses come off and his eyeballs fall out and you see his cartoon eyes, when he looks at the camera for the first time with his cartoon eyes and that whole sequence, there's so many great things about that, uh, about that scene. Of course, when he, like his eyes jump out his daggers and then there's the one where he, yeah, exactly. (laughs) He just showed me the image. Um, but there's one part where he like holds up his cane yes. and he's on roller skates or something. Man. And he's coming towards the camera with the cane and he's just rolling. It's like that whole thing is just like amazing. It um, is so good. So yeah. I think for, that movie is very ahead of its time. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, the great Robert Zemeckis, of course. Um, mm-hmm. Back to the Future fame. Um, man, that movie uh, or that specific scene uh, in 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 an otherwise very family friendly, very kid centric, um, you know, funny, light hearted movie, uh, it just gets really dark really quickly. <laughs> and the image of uh, Christopher Lloyd when his per, his performance in that scene is just very scary, definitely for a little kid. Very cool. Yeah, man. I love I love hearing about movies that I remember vividly, like being like, wow, this is weird. <laughs> As a kid. Yeah. You know, that's one of them. I mentioned this to you. I, I this next one I've mentioned to you in our messenger chat. Um, and I even sent you a gif, and you didn't know anything about it, but you were like, Well, that looks terrifying. <laughs> and it is from 1989. It is the Halloween episode titled. Boo from the series Roseanne. Oh, yeah. 
And uh, that's season two for them. Apparently, Roseanne has a huge love for going all out for Halloween. The execs over at ABC were not fans of doing a Halloween episode because of the potential satanic implications and tie-ins. Roseanne already establishing herself as being pretty politically incorrect. (laughs) They were like, yeah, fine, go ahead, make it an episode. This episode is full of legit gore. There's a scene where John Goodman's Dan is laying on the dining room table and he has his intestines are laying on top of him, covered in blood. Pretty graphic for 1989 television. (laughs) Really. It's the unveiling of Jackie's head on the platter that really upset me. The vampire fangs, the open mouth, rolling head back and forth, intensified by the lighting. It made me jump so hard. I couldn't, I, I actually started to feel the adrenaline flowing through me. Then the fear slipped in. Then bedtime, a.k.a. the dark. <laughs> and I couldn't stop thinking about it. And uh, if if anyone sees it, I'm going to share the picture. I'm going to share a GIF. I'll share all of it. Um, it's nightmare fuel, even now. Even if you don't know the context of it, you're like, wow, that's actually pretty scary looking. It is scary. When you sent me the image, like uh, it's not something I was familiar with or I had no memory of. Um, but even just that gif of Jackie's head going back and forth on the platter yeah. with the eyes and the vampire teeth, that's a pretty scary image. Yeah, man. Yeah. So this one is, uh, we've already talked a bit about Stephen King. Uh, and, and Stephen King has just always been one of my favorite authors. And I've just read him even at a younger age than I probably should have. But this movie, again, it's a TV movie. But when me and my friends, I think it was for my like, Man, was it my 12th or 13th? I forget when what year It came out. Mm. But of course, we're talking about the TV movie of It. Mm. And of course, Tim Curry as Pennywise. I just always remember the moment where they're, they, the, they're flipping through the photo album when they're trying to figure out what's going on around Derry. Right. That there's something wrong going on in Derry. And... Um, they, they all know they've been seeing a clown, like a dreaming of a clown, and they're flipping through this photo book, and they, like the photo comes to life. And there's so much going on, but just in the very distance, you can see Pennywise like kind of doing cartwheels, and he's coming closer yeah. and closer. And all of a sudden, and they're all watching the photo, and then Pennywise turns and looks at them, and then like points at them and growls, and then runs straight at them through the photo, comes right up through the lamppost and looks at them, and he's like, I'll kill you all. I'll drive you crazy and I'll kill you all. On every nightmare you ever had, I am your worst dream come true. I'm everything you ever were afraid of. Man, that is a memory burn for sure. Just how awesome that was. And just, I don't know, I've always liked that trope. And I can think of, man, so many movies like Night of the Demons, uh, even Demons. Um when it's almost it's almost like you're hiding not hiding but when someone's searching and they look and they see you yes like that that thing is oh. that that kind of thing in horror movies always scared me uh and just when pennywise looks at the camera points at the camera yeah. and then runs at the camera yeah uh, it's that's definitely a, a memory burn well and and part of that i think is like again like i said was like breaking the fourth wall like they're looking at you. Mm-hmm. 
he's not just running at the kids in the movie. He's running at you, exactly. the kid watching something you're probably you're, not supposed to yeah, watch. You're looking at the photo too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's so crazy. Yeah. I could definitely see that. I could definitely see that. You know I have a love for Ernest. Mm-hmm. And all of the Jim Varney, Ernest verse. An unhealthy love for Ernest. Get out of here with I know, unhealthy. I'm just joking with you. Yeah. I have two separate Dr. Otto run-ins that I'm going to tie together. I and, and, and this also borrows from our video store rental discussion. I used to rent the compilation of Ernest's commercials. Mm-hmm. And it was called, Hey Vern, it's Ernest, the Ernest Film Festival, 101 Ernest and Vern commercials and bloopers. And I rented this far too often for a collection of commercials. He did uh, a trailer for his film, Dr. Otto and the Riddle of the Gloom Beam. Hey, Vern, I just saw this movie. It's called Dr. Otto and the Riddle of the Gloom Beam. It's about this guy named Dr. Otto, and he has this gloom beam. It's this thing that zaps computers, and it's got uh, uh, a monster called The Dump, and it's got uh, Slave Willie. It's this robot, and there's pirates, and and, uh, it's just neat, especially the part I'm in. You know, Vern, I think you'd enjoy it a whole lot better if you went to see it at the theater. (laughs) But he's so close up to the camera. And again, we've got a face and we've got lighting accompanied with a low ominous synth note ringing out. And it terrified me. Again, (laughs) again. Picture yourself sitting close to a big screen floor model TV and that whole screen is Otto's face. That's disturbing. It's about feeling uneasy, uh, breaking the fourth wall because he's like looking at you through the screen, um, invading my space. His face lingered as it cuts to silence and a black screen before the next joyful earnest commercial on the compilation. He knew he knew the angle. To, to go for when, you know, his jaw, like his bottom jaw protruding mm. kind of thing. That was that was the trailer um, for the movie. And the movie has a horrifying intro, which is my number one if I were to rank something. Okay. And it's uh, so the, the, the opening title sequence, unnerving music accompanied by disturbing lyrics sung by a female lead. After the first section of the song, Otto joins in singing out of tune and overpowering the song, singing well after the music ends. And you can hear the real spinning on like an eight millimeter. So it's black with a blue hue and white imagery of destruction, floods, explosions, nuclear bomb detonations, and panic busts out of control with people running out of the way. Cuts to a misty black scene with Otto silhouette standing up out of the white fog, voice indicates he's pleased with himself, and the big red letters, Dr. Otto, appear. Much like the thriller font, mm-hmm. I went, oh, God. And I had chills. Like, I loved Ernest. This was an Ernest joint. Not my joint at this moment. Like, I'm, I'm feeling terrified. That's funny. Um, and then, but it just, it just creeped me out. I felt uncomfortable to hear that, like, gleefully disturbing tone, singing about morbid things, overlaying that horrible imagery. The the fact that the viewer is likely sitting in a dimly lit room, you know, movie ambiance. But so is Otto, too aligned. And uh, the horror vibe is already established by the credits and the big red letters made me feel like it was a horror movie, tarnishing my love for Ernest and Verney. <laughs> <laughs> Ernest 
Opening song to <laughs> Dr. Otto. <laughs> and I'm so happy that okay. this is my number one. Like when looking, because my list was random. Yeah. Uh, in no particular order. But when I'm going through it as I want to talk about it. Yeah. Are you familiar with the name Alice Nunn? Do you know that name? No. Again, this this movie moment speaks to my love and of what we talked about, about like ghost stories around a campfire. Also that like urban legend of... You know that old ghost story where you pick up a hitchhiker, um, they want you to take you somewhere, you look back, the hitchhiker's gone, yep. and then like you go to the grave and they're like already dead or something, you know, that old like urban legend. Yeah. Anyway, so this movie is the most lighthearted movie you could ever imagine. It's a childhood uh, character icon who had a long-running TV series. Uh, it was so successful, he finally made it into a movie. It was the film debut, directorial debut of Tim Burton. Starring Paul Rubens in Pee-wee's Big Adventure, 1985. So I was like five years old. I think this movie scene is literally two minutes long. And the movie's (laughs) 90-minute movie, you know, a feature-length movie. Um, It's probably... I mean, I have the whole script in front of me. It's literally like eight lines back and forth between Pee-wee and the actress Alice Nunn portraying large merge <laughs> and when she t- he gets because of course he's hitchhiking because he has to go to Hollywood because he wants to retrieve his, his lost stolen bike uh, and large merge picks him up in a truck thanks for stopping <laughs> some night huh on this very night ten years ago along the same stretch of road In a dense fog, just like this, I saw the worst accident I ever seen. There was this sound, like a garbage truck dropped off the Empire State Building. And when they finally pulled the driver's body from the twisted, burning wreck. It looked like this. <laughs> yes, sir. That was the worst accident I ever seen. I get off right up here.
Have a nice day. <laughs> Be sure and tell them Large Marge sent ya. <laughs> And just that scene, and it almost reminds me of, remember you, we, we talked about the Twilight Zone, the movie. You want to see something really scary? Yes, that is exactly. And like, exactly you're not expecting what is, a, you're not expecting what's shown to you. Yep. So I think that's what makes this scene so effective is like, the, the story, the buildup is already scary enough. Um, but the weird effect they came up with, like the claymation, whatever they did for Large Marge's face, yeah. the eyes come out, the lips are vibrating. You know, it's just such a strange scene. That is bizarre, man. Um, but yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, that's I can't believe it's 1985, and I had I re- I remember I watched this movie so much. Like we had it on VHS, and um, I mean, that's just one of the most memorable moments from that movie. Uh, definitely a weird, scary moment for a kid's movie. Yeah, but yeah, large march. She was also in Night Dark Night of the Scarecrow. Was she? Yeah. Mrs. Oh my goodness, Mrs. Bunch. Mrs. Bunch. Wow. And actually, I do. I don't know the actor's name, but I do know for sure. So when she drops off Pee Wee and says, "Just tell him Large Marge sent you," <laughs> she drives off, and he she drops him off at a truck stop, and he goes into the restaurant, and the man he walks in, and there's just everybody's around, and they're all eating, and he goes. Large marriage sent me, and they all turn and look. You know that classic yes. trope of like the the old pub, and everyone's yes. looking at him. The guy behind the bar goes, "It was a night just like tonight. In fact, tonight's the anniversary. Worst accident I ever seen." That's when you realize yeah. Large Marge is dead. The guy that's playing the bartender is in My Bloody Valentine. No way, as the railroad worker that gets the pickaxe oh. through the eye. It's him. Wow. <laughs> That is such a cool list that we just like rehashed, <laughs> right? Now, so I do fun. remember that scene vividly. For some reason, that didn't scare me. Okay. And these probably shouldn't bother us if it was new content. But every once in a while, we find ourselves with those like moments where we channel back this maybe not fond nostalgia, but those feelings of like, oh, that reminds me of that moment when I saw that thriller video or... Dr. Otto title sequence. Mm-hmm. Do you have any current moments mm-hmm. that have kind of elicited these same kind of fears and dread that you would have if you were a kid, but you're now an adult and you've seen something new? As horror fans, isn't that what we kind of want? Like, yes. when I think about that, it's always like, you know, the term chasing the dragon because, um, you know, those things like really did instill fear in you when you saw them as a kid. So like, you always want that next rush as they say i guess if you want to put it that way but, but you get no rush but it does sometimes happen and so when you say that immediately one moment comes to mind and uh, and i know i mentioned it earlier and this is the director of the remake to it andy muschietti whatever his first studio like feature debut or whatever it's called mama do you ever see mama no. That movie Mama with Jessica Chastain. No. Um, anyways, there's a scene in Mama, and I saw this in the theater. Mama's about like these two kids. They get like lost in the woods, and they get raised by a ghost, essentially. Uh, a ghost of this old woman that took her life in the woods. Uh, it's Mama. Mm. And when this guy goes to the cottage in the middle of the woods, and it's super dark, and he's taking pictures. The scene involves taking pictures. So the only light, it's like a strobe effect. Uh, the flash of the light 
it's the only time you get to see the interior of the cabin because it's pitch black. That's horrifying and, already. And so, the, but the creature ghost design of Mama is so scary. All you can, yeah, you know where I'm going with this. He's he's trying to see in the the cottage, and every time the strobe happens, it's like a freeze frame of the ghost coming at him, and, oh. and he's get, and she's getting closer every time the strobe oh. happens. I was in the theater. I swear, I was. It was like a breathless moment where I was like, "Oh my! Like this is fucking terrifying." Like, Again, a moment where they're not looking at the the actor; they're exactly, looking at you. Exactly. Maybe that. Maybe that has something to do with it because I seriously, it was just. It was like it was. You know, like when your whole body goes, uh, just like dread <laughs> comes over your whole being, <laughs> and just the way every time it would get closer and closer. I mean, that's everything. You know. Yeah. You know, it's coming, but sometimes the jump scare and the timing is off and you're like damn <laughs> got me again yeah yeah that reminds me that reminds me of the end of uh, host oh that's a scary movie yeah, yeah the zoom horror um the ending of it they're taking pictures to see what's in the darkness okay yeah and then the last picture and then the, the whole movie's over oh yeah so one more one more before we go to your modern ones. And now I guess this one isn't like super modern, but I remember being, so when was, yeah, when's Blair, when's the Blair Witch Project come out? 98. Uh, when we talk about like dread, like a, a th- an image Ugh. that just almost like you're, you're paralyzed, your whole body just slumps Tingling. in the chair because you can't even believe what you're watching is, the, I mean, the final image of the Blair Witch Project, you know, people criticized it at, you know, it was such a monster, but people were so upset with how like shaky cam or whatever, but you cannot deny when you go down to the basement, when Heather goes down to the basement and you see Mike standing in that corner and her ear piercing scream is he's just standing motionless in the corner. I swear, man, my whole eyes like almost wanted to faint. I was, I was just like, uh, you know? I've got the feeling in my palms right now of the sweaty tingle where it's like, this is not happening. This is not happening. It's a terrifying movie moment, man. Oh, that's, that's a really good one. I actually forgot about it's that. It's almost like a moment of like, you're, your worst nightmare has come true. Like yep. it's all bad. It, yep. It, it's all bad. It's no good. <laughs> no bueno. Um, okay. So do do you feel that you had like a commonality through what scares you mm. in horror or not horror? Yeah, there is a commonality. Maybe the moment in it, uh, large Marge, uh, ET. It's almost like, it's almost like being the the. It's like a surprise, a surprise element or something like, or the moment of being, of like sh- like moment of realization that something mm. is bad. I guess like right. You're already scared. Yes. You're building towards something, and the reveal is yes, it's as bad as you thought it was. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, and it, it, there's no so there's, there's no coming back from that. Yeah, maybe yeah. that's it. You know, and so obviously you, I've, I've already stated it, but. Um, faces and mm-hmm. lighting. Mm-hmm. That's what does it for me. Mm-hmm. Can you think of any modern horror that features faces and lighting that might one. disturb me? Might disturb you? I think, I think, and this, I, I was almost going to talk about it as mine, but I already had two, but I think I, I know what yours okay, would what, be. What do you think? It involves be? some piano wire, maybe? No. It involves a mom. There's a moment where there's a person in the corner, Hanging in the top oh, corner of oh, a fuck. room. Yes, I'm sorry. Yes, and she's yes. out of focus at first, and you don't even notice you're looking at her. And then when you notice her there, but then the piano wire comes later when she's just like, "Yeah, okay, okay, sorry." <laughs> yes, 
<laughs> yes. So I wasn't thinking of it as piano wire. I don't know why. What was it? Is it piano wire? It definitely has to be. <laughs> her her face in that is is horrifying. So we're talking, of course, about hereditary. Tony Collette in hereditary. And yes, I am going to talk about hereditary, <laughs> but it's not that face. Okay. It's it, the other face. It's when she's watching all of the ants crawl over her son's face in the fever dream. Oh, okay. And then he's like, mom, what's up? Mm. And then it's another dream. And she's like, just tortured and tormented. She's on like Shelly Duvall level of the shining in this, yeah, in these true. moments. Yeah. Um, I mean, beautiful movie as you and I both discussed, like this movie is, a, is about family drama meets a horror movie second. Mm-hmm. So Tony Collette's face of just like her wide open gaping mouth. I can't look at it. It just upsets me again. It's the face. It's the lighting, but yes, her piano wired decapitation at the end, also <laughs> horrific. Just because how she's looking at it. And like, that that non-music score. Mm-hmm. It's just like noise. Of that. <laughs> like just that like horror machine kind of music. But yes, okay, so hereditary. Funny that you were thinking about hereditary, but I was just thinking about a different scene in hereditary. That's so funny, yeah. Okay, think of a movie where... What is scary is happening in the shadows. And there's a family confronting a family in the darkness. Mm-hmm. It's us. Oh. And it's the monologue that Red gives in the living room. What? There was a oh, girl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, her face in that. Yeah. And when she when the camera's going in tight on her, I still I still can't I have to look away still. And I'm 36 and I can't. Look at it because that is my current list of what I just went through from my childhood. <laughs> that when she goes like all teeth. Yeah. And she's like, you know, and she's crying. Oh, that's a weird oh, idea. Like, Jesus. Yeah. Like <laughs> I just, that just, that stuff really gets to me and I don't know why. It's weird. Like, I wonder what my like other would look like and sound like, you know? Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, what are they called very, again? The tethered. The t- yeah. yeah. The yeah. <laughs> I really like these episodes where we like go on a boat, like the real nostalgia of us. You know, yeah, exactly. Like, like deep dive into this kind of stuff. But I think we can all relate that we all had some sort of traumatic entertainment related um experiences in our past that either play into our current fears that we have or um distaste for movies or experiences because of what we experienced when we were younger. Oh yeah. Or it feeds it and we're like chasing the dragon like you said. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. I mean that's what yeah. We're some like that's that almost like continue to do. Yeah. yeah. Chasing the dragon just sounds like some sort of like weird like kung fu ripoff. I think it's a drug reference. Oh, it definitely is. <laughs> it definitely is. Heroin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for Nostalgia Junk Podcast, I'm Kyle saying, Remember me, Eddie? When I killed your brother, I talked just like this. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's excellent. Wow. And I'm Matt. For Nostalgia Junk Podcast saying, I'll just sit here and be quiet just in case they do suspect me. They're probably watching me. Well, let them. Let them see what kind of person I am. 
I'm not even going to swat that fly. I hope they are watching. They'll see. They'll see and they'll know and they'll say, why she wouldn't even harm a fly. <laughs> awesome. 